In Psalm chapter 77, let's go ahead and stand. You have your Bible and let's look. We'll go down towards the end of the chapter. And we're here looking at a psalm that Asaph has written. And he's over finding overcoming victorious strength by recalling an event that you and I have gained strength from as well. We'll see it here. Let's look at verse number 19. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Asaph is recalling some things here and he has confidence in God, but yet his heart is stirred. He's overwhelmed with various things. And here he's finding strength. He's finding that things are under control by going back to a true life incident that happened way before his time. And it's that which is involving the people of God at the Red Sea. He talks about in this passage, we didn't read verse 13, that God's ways are holy. You you can trust God because God is God. His ways are right. His ways are holy. But he just told us in verse number 19 that his ways are hidden. We know we are to follow God. You wouldn't be here on a Sunday night if you didn't believe I'm supposed to follow God. But I want to challenge us and I want to encourage us and I want us to be helped. But I think the way to be challenged and helped and encouraged is the same way Asaph was. And that is to go back to an incident in the Bible where the people of God followed God. And here's the thought tonight. What are you going to do when you follow God and following God leads to nowhere? Do you know that you can follow God to nowhere? What are you going to do with dead ends, dilemmas, and discouragements? Let's talk about it. Thank you. Please be seated. Let's go over to Exodus chapter 14 and see what Asaph was talking about. In Exodus chapter 14 and beginning in verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pihaharoth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal-Ziphon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. Here in these verses, and we've looked at and you've read them, God intends for us to see what happens with God's people, not just a few thousand years ago, but what still will happen to us in 2023. 
You know, sometimes I get the impression that when we ask God to bless us, and, and how often, you ever thought how often we pray for God to bless us? Even when we're asking God to bless our food, we're asking sometimes, God, would you bless us? Bless the church, bless our family, bless us. But sometimes I think that we sometimes forget the full definition of a blessing. We forget that God doesn't want us to be cul-de-sac Christians. That is, our blessings ending with us. You think of anybody in the Old Testament that God says to, I want to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'll give you the answer. His name was Abraham. But God told him that the blessing was not to stop with him. The blessing would be through Abraham as the channel. Now, one of the problems with the nation of Israel, we even find it getting into the book of Acts, thousands of years after God talked to Abraham about it, and that is they, they kept forgetting that. They kept forgetting that they're supposed to be channels of blessing and not cul-de-sacs of blessing. Too many times, God's people become like the Dead Sea. Hey, we were just over there at the Dead Sea. In fact, um, brought something tonight. I think Priscilla has it over here. I brought from the Dead Sea these, uh, these rocks. Now, don't ask what my kids asked. Why didn't you fill the whole bottle up? And I said, I don't know. I felt like I was stealing. I, I don't... I don't it just, yet we go to any beach here and we take as many seashells as we want. But I was trying to hide taking these salt rocks. And that's what these are. These are just salt rocks and the whole place is covered. You don't walk on sand, you walk on salt. And they're hard. You can't, you can't crush these things. But it's because this is what the Dead Sea is made up of. The, 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 the oceans, our oceans, you want to feel that? You want to feel salt? You want to put it in your mouth? Don't do that. But it's, it's salt. It, it's, it's, and it's, it's just everywhere you look. Oh, there's sand. No, there's not sand. It's salt. You walk on salt. The salt balls. And our oceans are filled with about 3.5% saline salt. The Dead Sea is about 33.7% salt. And, and we went out there, Christy and I went out and we stood out there and, and I rolled my pant legs up and got out there and, and, and it's just, it's, it's oily, it's mineral and, and, and it's, it's just great. I mean, you step in there, you step out and you feel like you've been to a spa, at least from the knees down, whatever parts in the water. And a lot of the girls that were there, they, they, they went out and, and you know, you can't sink. You just, you just float out there. It's, it's fascinating. While the, the, the Dead Sea is very rich in minerals and very profitable, and they'll sell you some products that, that are derived from this, the min, all kinds of minerals there, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not good for Christians to be like this. Amen. The reason why it's so rich in minerals is because it has so many inlets, so many channels that, that feed into it. I'll let you put those in there. And uh, they, they feed into the Dead Sea, but there's no outlets. And so all it is is just one big body of richness, but it's not getting out. 
And it is dangerous that we can be uh, receiving and receiving and receiving. But if we don't allow that, that blessing we get from God to go through us as a conduit, as a channel only, we're going to end up being dead. Oh, we might strive to be dead right, and we can be both right and dead. But God wants us to recognize we ought to be conduits. And one way God may help us not to be cul-de-sac Christians is to actually have us experience some cul-de-sacs within our life. Have you ever experienced a cul-de-sac? Gone to a dead end? Remember back when we were in evangelism, one of our first trailers, it was a, it was a pull-behind trailer. I think it was about 30-some feet, and so it was still pretty long. And, and we were pulling it behind the, the truck, the, the fifth wheel. And it was in the day of, uh, it was before the, the GPS that we had, it was OnStar. It was OnStar. And so we, we could talk to OnStar uh, occasionally. And, and, and I was on with OnStar trying on a Saturday evening, getting to wherever we were supposed to be to start a meeting on Sunday. And OnStar was giving us live directions. And she told us, and that, that was the first, first clue right there, and I uh, knew something was going to go awry. But she told us, she said, uh, uh, go down this road. And I said, it looks like on the map it, it, it doesn't go through. And she said, yeah, no, you, you go through. This is the way to go. And, and, and we even see a sign that says, dead end. And she says, no, you go through. It, it, it goes through. And so we follow her, and she leads us to a dead end. It was a cul-de-sac. Now, it's not too bad when you're in a, uh, just a regular car or truck. You can turn that thing around. But it wasn't quite that easy with a 33-foot trailer behind us. And, and I remember popping the side panel of our truck. That was not a good sound hearing that. All the while, talking to OnStar, letting her know this is not right. All the while, she was arguing with me, this is right. It goes through. It doesn't go through. If I went any further, we'd be going through the guy's bathroom whose house is sitting right here in the road. Cul-de-sacs. We all get there sometime in life. It could be a, a, a job that's been lost. It could be a church situation that has seemingly fizzled. It could be a health scare. There could be a number of things that will bring us to seemingly a dead end, a cul-de-sac. We're following God and, and God leads us seemingly nowhere. In Exodus 14, it provides, I believe, this biblical mindset and process for when difficulties arise, how by faith, in light of God's almighty presence and his providence and his promises and his power, how we can see him part some waters in our life. God will always make a way. Listen, he'll always make a way for his tired yet trusting children. Even if he has to split the sea to do it. But it's not going to happen by accident. C.H. McIntosh said concerning this, Exodus 14, the sea was before them. Pharaoh's host behind them. 
and the mountains around them. And all this, be it observed, was permitted and ordered by God. So why do we worry? John R. Rice said, worry is putting question marks where God has put periods. You know, worry is a form of atheism. For it betrays a lack of faith and trust in God. You see, the Israelites, they follow the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night as carefully as possible. Yet as they followed God, God deliberately led them into a cul-de-sac between rugged hills to the edge of a deep sea. It was too deep, too wide to be crossed. It was a route that God led them on. It was a course. It was a road. It was directions that God gave them that literally led nowhere. Now, the implication here is that the Lord, he took responsibility. And God is taking full responsibility for leading his people into an impossible place. But why should that be any problem to God? Amen. You know, the secret of the Christian life is, and I didn't tell you, but we don't have slides tonight, so we're having to do it the old-fashioned way, and, and you're going to actually have to pay attention. And, and so uh, um, some of you are waiting. You're waiting for the screen. It's not going to come up. And uh, <laughs> the secret of the Christian life is when you're in a difficult place, Realize that the Lord either placed you there or allowed you to be there for reasons perhaps known for now only to Him. A mature Christian will remember when you're in a difficult place that the Lord has either placed you there or allowed you to be there for reasons perhaps known only to him. You see, the same God that led you there is the same God that will lead you out of there. When you find yourself in a cul-de-sac, in a dead end, in a, in a place of, of deadness, difficulty, and discouragement, Remember Job 23 and verse 10, Job says, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. J.I. Packer said of that verse, He knows the way he taketh, even if for the moment we do not. Now, you want to see the waters parted in your life? Then you're going to have to keep reminding yourself. Put it on a three by five card. Put it on your phone. Ask God to put it upon your heart that the Lord has either put us in this difficult place or the Lord has allowed us to be in this difficult place for reasons perhaps only known to him. You know, throughout the Bible, you're going to find men and women really through no fault of their own in difficult, soul disabling difficulties while simply trying to follow God. Hagar comes to mind, a single mom, forced into the desert with her boy to die of thirst. Joseph, 
wanting to fulfill divine dreams, was seized, stripped, sold as a slave, and imprisoned in Egypt. Moses. He was caught between the splendors of Egyptian royalty and thankless affliction with God's people. Job. In the very first verses of Job chapter 1, we find he's a perfect man, mature man, upright man of God. And God is the one who recommended Job. Job was on God's recommendation list. We find he lost everything in a split moment. Everything, his home, his health. David, being anointed by Samuel, he was pursued by Israelite troops. Hezekiah, seeking revival, was trapped by the most powerful army on earth, bent to annihilate the people of God. How about the Lord's disciples? They sailed at Jesus' command on Galilee, only to face a night filled with terror because of the storms and the waves that the Lord led them into. How about Jesus himself, the son of man, fulfilling the father's will? He was nailed fast to wood, left to hang by his hands and feet until dead. How about the apostles? They tried to preach this crucified one who was buried and resurrected, and they were horsewhipped, beaten. William Cowper said, God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. We don't have to understand it. We just have to know him. He is his own interpreter. Let me try that one again. I don't know if we're on. You don't have to understand it. You you just have to trust him. Know him. He is his own interpreter. There are no mistakes in God's plan. Jesus still does all things well. A.W. Tozer said to the child of God, there's no such thing as an accident. He travels an appointed way. Accidents may indeed appear to befall him, misfortune stalk his way, but these evils will be so in appearance only and will seem evils only because we cannot read the secret script of God's hidden providence. What are you going to do when you follow God in the leads you to nowhere. Remember, you're here by God's appointment. Remember, you're here in his keeping. Remember, you're here under his training. Remember, you're here for his time. Even chastening, even God's spankings in our life, they're not by accident. Have you ever experienced God's power in the past? Asaph was remembering what God did in the past to encourage him now. Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Some of your greatest answers to some of your greatest problems come during times of some of your greatest discouragements. The African impala is really a beautiful animal in many ways. But it's fascinating to me because it can jump 10 feet straight up in the air. And it can jump toward forward rather 30 feet at one 
one bound. That's how it moves so fast in avoiding predators. But the interesting thing is that you can put an African impala in a three foot high cage. And it will not try to leap out to get free. Despite all of its beauty, despite its power and its ability to leap high and long, a little cage just about the height of a grade school child, if he can't see through it, just a, a wooden box that's just three feet high, no, no top to it, and you place that impala in that three foot high box, it won't even try to escape. If you put one in such a cage, it will remain incarcerated there for life. And it's because there's one significant flaw of the African impala. It won't jump where it cannot see. And so its movements are limited to what it sees. While the impala has the ability to free itself from the cage, it won't exercise that ability because it won't trust what it cannot see. But how many times are we similarly controlled by circumstances that imprison us and behind our own walls of fear and uncertainty and doubt, we won't walk by faith. Instead, we choose to walk by sight the sight that we actually cannot see. The devil uses these walls in our life to keep us trapped, knowing that far too many of us feel the need to see before we leap. But faith doesn't operate that way. Not with God, it does not. Faith operates on the basis of truth, of belief. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 reminds us faith is the substance, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. Believe and leap free from the snares, the cul-de-sacs, the dead ends, the discouragement of the enemy. You're not getting ahead of God. You try to get ahead of God, God knows how to put you right back where you need to be. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to teach you something so that you can experience freedom. When you're in a difficult spot, remember, you are there by God's appointment, in His keeping, under His training, and for His time, there's no better place to be. That's why the three Hebrew children, they were okay with being thrown into the fiery furnace. God's greater. How bad is your situation? We, if we took the time and you had the, 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 the gumption and the guts to do it, and you try to one-up somebody else about how bad your situation is, it'll never get too bad, but what God is still in control. Amen. Now here's a question that somebody is asking in their mind. That's good. It's good stuff. But what happens when I'm in a cul-de-sac in a dead end? Because it's my fault. I like what J.I. Packer says. 
Our God is a God who not merely restores, but takes up our mistakes and follies into his plan for us and brings good out of them. Doesn't that sound kind of like Romans 8, 28? Hey, pl- please don't, don't ever use, misuse Romans 8, 28. Uh, a backslider, one who's running away from God, one who's covering his sin, cannot say all things will work together for good unless you mean God chasing you and God even putting you in a premature grave is what you mean by good for you. See, God works all things together for good to those who are surrendered and submissive to the plan and will of God. But when you decide, no, I kind of like to do it my way, well, I'll tell you what's going to work out for good is God's not going to resign from being God, and He's a loving God, He's a loving parent, and He's going to take you to the woodshed, and when He takes you to the woodshed, there might be bloodshed, and I want to say, that's because He loves you. That's what Hebrews 12 says, He loves you. And he's still going to make sure you're a part of his plan and even in chastisement. See, you can have a catastrophe. A tornado can blow through a house and can sweep away a house. And in that house be people who are loving God, surrendered to God, who are taken away. And, uh, and you've got people in the house who are running from God who are taken away. And do you know that God can use the same cul-de-sac experience and the life of the one who's surrendered to God and the one who's running from God. You say, how does that work? He's God. He's God, and He has a plan for every single person. But when you're in a cul-de-sac and you're in a place, you're in the hog pen of life, what happens when it's my fault that put me there? Whether it's the hog pen, whether it's the dead end, whether it's the, the belly of a whale, what do I do? The same thing the prodigal did. The same thing Jonah did. The same thing that the people of God had to do time and again and continues until 2023. And that is repent. Repent. Serious and sincere repentance, repentance is the route, is the shortcut to get us right back to the plan and will of Almighty God. Confession is that shortcut from the the wayward path back to the straight and narrow for Jesus Christ. When you genuinely repent of your sins, it's not like one of these, well, you know, I've been so far away from God for so long. I think think God's forgotten about it by now. No, he hasn't. No, no, that's blasphemy. In fact, that's idolatry. That is idolatry to ever think of God that way when that's not the God of the Bible. If 2,000 years ago is sufficient and what he did 2,000 years ago is sufficient to take care of your sin today, don't you think that your year two, three-year-old sin is just going to be written off as no big deal because some time has lapsed by? Confession, agreeing with God, get serious about what God is serious about. Well, you know, I just, I just don't see it that way. Then you're not going to see it God's way either. 
know what Joseph's lessons for his brothers were about in Genesis 45? Remember how Joseph, when he saw his brothers, he kind of was doing some things and he was working in some scenarios there with his brothers. You know what he was doing? He was trying to get his brothers to that shortcut back to the will of God. Repentance. When we genuinely repent of our sins, what happens then? Our sins are cast behind God's back. As far as the east is from the west, our hearts are cleansed. Our fellowship with God is restored. And his sins, he'll remember them no more. Realize that if God's forgiven you, stop being angry with yourself. God's obligated. God is excited to now take your cause and your course and work it together for good. See, Sidlow Baxter said it this way, there is a compassionate adaptability about God's will for us because we have not been in God's special will for us from the beginning. There's no reason why we should not get into it now. He, God, can take up from where we get right. After genuine confession and repentance, you can start right there. Trust Him. God can still make a way. He can still part the waters. During times of hopelessness, what you and I really need is an encounter with the living Lord. We need an experience with God. The Bible is indispensable for giving you your hope back, your confidence. And experiencing the encounter with God is what we need most. Thus, when you can't see Jesus Open your Bible, open your Bible and simply pray, show me Jesus. That's his will. That's what he's wanting to accomplish. That's what we're emphasizing. That's what discipleship is all about. You're to look for a person, not a doctrine. You can learn doctrine and get a Bible college degree. But if you're going to find reviving and experiencing of God, you need to encounter the person. You want to see Christ revealed? Not just hearing Christ talked about. He told you he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Take him at his word. You can pray this. You can pray it and have confidence that he'll hear and answer. Pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, I am opening your word. Show me Jesus. And see if he doesn't appear. He's the one who unlocks the door to your Parted waters. So when you find yourself following God and he leads you nowhere. If you can remember this. And just put it into your brain. That's the time we ought to start getting excited. Remind yourself that the Lord's put us here. Or he's allowed us to be here for some reason. That may only be known to him at this time. And I ask you, are you okay with that? I am. Let's stand together, please.